everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. Today is February 14th, 2016, and it is Valentine's Day for all you magic lovers out there. Hopefully you are spending it with a special someone today, and if not, that's okay. Just go down to your local card shop and sling out some spells of magic with friends doing EDH or you know casual, whatever you want. Um, today we are going to be doing a little bit of a theater of the mind. It's something that you're going to have to really picture in your mind. This is not a video. And what we are doing is we're going to be playing a game of magic. And we're going to be going over the lines of play. This is going to be, I guess, the best way to describe it. It will be, I'm going to be naming every card in my hand, telling you what cards I'm playing, what cards I may be thinking about playing, what I may suspect my opponent be doing. Um, even though I'm playing against myself, I'm not going to be mentioning what the second deck has at all in its hand, even though I can see it. And it's just to sort of really give you an insight into what you may be thinking and maybe to how to better think while playing a game of Magic. Um, you know, I'm not sure how long this episode's going to go. If it's going to go a little bit too long, I may just um, do a two-parter because I also want to introduce the sideboard of it as well. So... What's been going on in the world of magic? Um, I mean, modern's still up in a flurry with all the Eldrazi overlords going around. And, you know, Standard is looking pretty scary right now with Thought Knots here. I'm going to an IQ next Saturday on the 20th. And hoping to bring my Eldrazi ramp deck. And I've been testing it pretty rigor rigorously. And it's... Oh man, Thought Not Seer just wrecks my life. If you don't know what Thought Not Seer does... It is... Let me just pull it up here. Thought Not Seer. A 4-4 colorless Eldrazi. When Thought Not Seer enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose a non-land card from it and exile that card. When Thought Not Seer leaves the battlefield, target opponent draws a card. So, if you're familiar with the card Thought Seize, which is a one black sorcery, target player reveals his or her hand, you choose a non-land card from it, that player discards the card, you lose two life. It's basically, Thought Not Seer is basically Thought Seize with a creature attached to it, and it's pretty nasty. Um, I was doing a lot of testing online with my ramp deck and anytime someone cast a Thought Not Seer, pretty much my life was wrecked. Um, it just really slows me down. So it's, it's not a fun card. I mean, I can just see that card running rampant all in standard while it's out, unless, you know, there's something that can hate it out pretty easily. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, I didn't go to game day or Friday Night Magic or even Modern on Monday this past week. I've been sick. Um, a lot of personal stuff's been going on, a lot of craziness. Um, work has been crazy, life has been crazy. Just, God, I'm getting that itch of not being able to play Magic. It's a little 
a little disconcerting, you know, you know, it's like when you're not, when you haven't been able to do something for a while and you're just sort of like, Oh God, I need to, I need to scratch that itch. Oh man. Um, but yeah, anyways, um, let's see what else has been going on. Um, Oh, two prominent figures of the magic, the gathering art community have passed away this week. Christopher Rush and, oh, who's the other one? It was Christopher Rush and Wayne England. That's right. I knew it was Wayne something. I just couldn't remember the name. Um, Christopher Rush is best known for creating art for a lot of the more famous cards like Lightning Bolt and Black Lotus. Um, Black Lotus, in case you don't know, is probably the most expensive magic card ever in existence. And Wayne England, it looked like he did Cryptic Command, which is a pretty popular counterspell card. Oh, look at this. You can see list of other cards that he's done. Beetleback Chief. Um, Aether Flash. Cryptic Command, but let me talk about that real quick. That's a really good card. Cryptic Command allows you to choose two out of four. It's an instant cost, four mana altogether, one colorless and three blue. You counter target spell, return target permanent to its owner's hand, tap all creatures your opponents control or draw a card. So you can choose two of them. And, you know, you being able to have that ability to choose like that just gives you that much more value. Um... Trying to think of any other really popular cards that he's done. Ghostly Prison is one that Wayne England did. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just now catching or getting rid of my cold um, or flu, whatever. It wasn't a flu. I, I was, yeah, it was more of a cold than anything. Oh man, Friday, I brought a bottle of Dayquil with me and was just chugging that stuff down, and I was pretty much useless. <clears throat> Pretty much useless for that whole day on Friday. Um, but let, let's get back here. Ghostly Prison. It's one of my favorite cards in my Aloro um, deck. My Pillow Fort. Ghostly Prison costs two colorless and one white. So three altogether. And creatures can't attack you or... If I knew how to talk. Creatures can't attack you unless their controller pays two mana for each creature he or she controls that's attacking you. So when I say pillow fort, it's really you have this kind of enchantment and other enchantments that where they can attack you and you know, you just basically you're you're in a fort. They'll be like, haha, you can't get me unless they decide to wipe your board and you're just like, oh, really sad. And that happens. Let's see what else Wayne England has done. And I'll take a look at what Christopher Rush has done to I'm just I'm just really looking for popular cards. Oh, Oblivion Ring. He did the Oblivion Ring in, that looks like Lorwyn? Oblivion Ring, or O-Ring, that a lot of people like to call it. It's when Oblivion Ring comes into play, remove another target non-land permanent from the game. When Oblivion, 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 when Oblivion Ring leaves play, return the remove card to play under its owner's control. So, you know, that's pretty good for flashing creatures in and out and that costs two colorless and one white as well it's an enchantment oh he did the primal command profane command the green and black one 
Oh God, I'm trying to get over this freaking cold here. Um, yeah, those are a lot more of the. I guess yeah, common cards. So let me. Hold on, I'm trying to see if I can see a way. Christopher Rush. I want to see what he's done. Let's see what famous cards Christopher Rush has done. Black Lotus, of course. Oh, he did Blacker Lotus. I didn't realize that. Blacker Lotus is from the joke set of Magic Unglued and Unhinged. Um, I can't remember what Blacker Lotus is from, whether it was from Unglued or Unhinged, but... Basically, if you look at the original Black Lotus, it's add, it costs zero mana, adds three mana of any single color of your choice to your mana pool, then is discarded. Tapping this artifact can be played as an interrupt. Um, Blacker Lotus, on the other hand, it's same cost, costs zero mana. Tear Blacker Lotus into pieces. Add four mana of any one color to your mana pool. Play this ability as a mana source. Remove the pieces from the game afterwards. So I've had the Blacker Lotus ever since it came out, and it's always been one of my favorite um cards as a joke. Tell people like, oh, I've got a card better than Black Lotus. Look, it's Blacker Lotus. And people, you know, usually gets a gets a good laugh out of people. Oh, he did Brainstorm, which is draw three cards and then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. And I know he did a bunch of others, um, like Lightning Bolt. Oh, he did one of the original Forest cards. Oh, wow, he's done a lot. Oh, man, if I were to name everyone, this would be the whole podcast, just naming every single card he's ever done. So, all right. Well, just like to give my condolences to Wayne England and Christopher Rush's family. I'm very sorry for your loss. It's, um, you know, some of those are one of the better artists that Magic has seen, and not saying... Holy crap. Freaking cats. Sorry, my cats are going insane in the background here. What are you kitties doing? Oh, God. Such a professional studio. But as I was saying, like they were some of the better artists that you know that were out there and it's um sad to see them go. So alright, let's get on with today's topic. And today's topic is as I was saying, gonna be lines of play. And this is going to be sort of a theater of the mind. So you're going to have to do really well with picturing the board state in your mind. And I will do my best to explain every card in my hand and possible lines of play that I can do. So today's deck, this is going to be standard. As I figure standard's a little bit easier to really start off with. Um as far as explaining lines of play, because if I were to do legacy or modern, oh man, that's just going to be too complicated for a lot of people out there. And plus, I'm not that well adept in legacy at all. I mean, I'm still really dabbling in it. You know, I'm slowly but surely building legacy elves, but that's another that's another podcast. So, um, the deck I am playing is a Tarka Red. It's a very common Atarka Red. There's nothing special about it. I just copied a list from mtgtop8.com. And it's... Excuse me. It's it's very standard list here. 
And <clears throat> just to go over the list real quick, let me pull it up. It is very common list. It has four Abbot of Carol Keep, which has prowess. And if you don't know what prowess does, it's whenever you cast a non-creature spell, this creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. When Abbot of Carol Keep enters the battlefield, exile the top card of your library until end of turn. You may play that card. <laughs> Monastery Swiss Spear, everybody's favorite. Um, one drop mana card besides Goblin Guide. It is a 1-2, has haste, prowess. Haste, in case you forgot, means you can use it as soon as it comes into play. Or attack with it. Well, this is one of the new additions that I've seen on red deck wins or a tarka red is reckless bushwhacker and i really like this card it has surge one colorless and a red and surge is you may cast this spell for its surge cost if you or a teammate has cast another spell this turn so typically reckless bushwhacker will cost two colorless and a red if you cast uh, another spell before this say you you have three mana open and you tap one red for a Monastery Swiss Spear, now you can play Reckless Bushwhacker as well for its surge cost because you played another spell before playing Reckless Bushwhacker. Um, Reckless Bushwhacker also has haste, and when Reckless Bushwhacker enters the battlefield, if its surge cost was paid, that's the important part, making sure that its surge cost was paid, other creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, and gain haste until end of turn. That is the key part you know, I've seen some people forget that, oh, hey, all my creatures get plus one, plus zero. No, you didn't pay the surge cost. Just remember that. There's three of those in the deck. Um, oh, and there's four Monastery Swiss Spear, in case I didn't say that. Three Zergo Bell Strikers, the weakling Zergo in the Dragons of Tarkir deck. Well, he's not that weak. I mean, well, no, he's pretty weak, but he's not that bad. But it's a good aggro creature, I should say. Zergo is a... One mana, one red, one red mana. Zergo Bell Striker can't block creatures with power two or greater. And he really can't really block anything, and he should just really be used for attacking. Shouldn't really be used for anything else. Um, He's a legendary creature, meaning you can only have one of them out on the battlefield. You can also pay his dash cost. Dash was is an interesting mechanic it's dash basically states you may cast this spell for its dash cost if you do it gains haste and it's returned from the battlefield to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step so basically you pay the dash cost it comes out on the battlefield with haste you go and attack if it doesn't die it goes back to your hand now the pros and cons of it the pros is it comes out with haste you can attack and if he doesn't die that turn you return him to your hand and it evades any kind of counter or kill spell. The bad side to it is, if you want to attack with it again, you got to pay that dash cost again the next turn. So there's, you just have to think, you know, is it worth doing this? Will will paying the dash cost help me win? You know that that's the end goal. So that's it for the creatures. It has 14 creatures, which you know is about normal for a Tarka Red. I've seen others that have maybe slightly more. Um, Lightning Berserker I've seen, but I think Lightning Berserker is now replaced with Reckless Bushwhacker, at least in some lists. Um, this list runs four Atarka's Command. 
I, and this is one of my favorite cards. It costs one red and one green, so two altogether. Choose two. Your opponents can't gain life this turn. A target's command deals three damage to each opponent. You may put a land card from your hand on the to the battlefield, or creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain reach until end of turn. So you've got a lot of choices there on what you can do. Um, it runs two become immense. It costs six mana altogether, five colorless, one green. Has delve. Delve is a very good mechanic. It Each card you exile from your graveyard while casting this spell pays for one colorless. So if you had five cards in your graveyard, you can exile all five of those cards and just pay one green. And your target creature gets plus six, plus six until end of turn. Fiery Impulse is your basic shock spell. Um, costs one red. Fiery Impulse deals two damage to target creature. The plus side of Fiery Impulse is Spell Mastery. If there are two or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, Fiery Impulse deals three damage to that creature instead. It's just a little bit... It's almost like a lightning bolt to a creature at that point. Um, it has one teamer battle rage, one colorless, one red, an instant target creature gains double strike until end of turn. Double strike, in case you don't know, deals both first strike and regular combat damage. So if a creature is a 2-2 and it gains double strike, it's actually going to deal four damage to your opponent. I mean, not counting any creatures it's blocking. Well, it'll do four damage to a creature too. Um, Titan Strength. One red, target creature gets plus three, plus one until end of turn, scry one. Scry is look at the top card of your library. You may put that card on the bottom of your library. It's an instant. All, just so you know, all these cards I am talking about right now are all the instants. Instants are cards that can be cast at any time during the match. Wild Slash, another shock spell, one red. It Wild Slash deals two damage to target creature or player. Um, it does have Ferocious. If you control a creature... With power 4 or greater, damage can't be prevented this turn. Meaning it can still be countered, but if they were to try to do, I don't know, like give it, give it like indestructible, in, well no, because if it was indestructible it would st it still wouldn't die. Um, If it would do, oh if it would try to, you know, protect, protect um, from red spells. You know, protection from colors. Um, 22 land it runs. Four Bloodstained Mire, which is the, the black and red fetch land. Fetch lands are basically cards that you pay one life. You search your library for a swamp or mountain card and put on the battlefield untapped. When I remember first playing, I didn't really understand the benefit of it. Why would I want to lose one life? Why not? I just Why can't I just use Evolving Wilds, which... It searches for a basic land card, but puts it on the battlefield tap. This one allows you to put it on the field untapped, and it also allows you to search for dual lands that are currently out in battle for Zendikar. Um, such as Cinderglade. Cinderglade, is, it runs two. It has a mountain. It's considered a mountain and a forest, so Bloodstained Mire would be able to search for a Cinderglade. Um, Cinderglade enters the battlefield tapped unless you control two or more basic lands. Um, has one forest, ten mountain, has one smoldering marsh, which is another dual land. It's considered a swamp and a mountain. Four wooded foothills, which is another fetch land. 
um, search your library for a mountain or forest card. So you can search for a smoldering marsh or a cinder glade. And the sorcery cards for dragon fodder put two one one red goblin creature tokens onto the battlefield. And three Hordling Outbursts put three 1-1 one, one Red Goblin Creature Tokens onto the battlefield. Alright, so that's the deck. I'm not going to go over the sideboard right now. That might be for the second episode. So let's get into the game. Sorry that took a little bit. So let's just say I won the roll and I'm going first. Um, just remember, if you go first, you do not draw a card. So this is my opening hand that I have. I've got one Teamer Battle Rage, which, remember gives your target creature double strike. I've got one dragon fodder, put two one one red goblin creature tokens on the battlefield, have one mountain, one titan strength, target creature gets plus three plus one until end of turn, one monastery swiss spear, which is the one two with haste and prowess, a wooded foothills, which is the fetch land, and one Zergo Bell Striker. So if I were to get a opening hand like this, I've got two lands. I've got two creatures that are both one drops. And I've got a Teamer Battle Rage, which will trigger off Prowess. And I've got a Dragon Fodder trigger off Prowess. And a Titan Strength trigger off Prowess. I feel like this is a pretty good hand. You know, it has the potential for being explosive. Doing some damage. Going wide. Because I can get potentially up to four creatures out on the battlefield by turn three. Now, that you that may not seem like a lot, but... In standard, when you're playing an aggro deck like this, you want to be able to go wide or go explosive. This deck potentially has the option to do both. So I think for my first for my first um turn here, I'm gonna be playing a mountain. I'm gonna tap that mountain and play a monastery Swiss spear. And since Monastery Swiss Spear has haste, I can go ahead and go to the attack step deal one damage to my opponent. I don't have anything to do in my second main phase, and we're going to go to the end step. Now it's my opponent's turn. Since he is going second, he is able to draw a card. And let's see. Right away, my opponent is going to play a Windswept Heath. Windswept Heath is another fetch land. It searches for a forest or plains card, and it puts it on the battlefield untapped. So that's all he's going to do for his turn. So we're going to end it. And now we're going to go back to my turn, which I, I always say this to myself, do the untap, upkeep, draw. And I just drew another wooded foothills. So that's not bad. It's not what I really want, but it's not bad. Um, so uh, the thing I'm going to do, I'm obviously going to play a wooded foothills. You know, I think I will go ahead and tap it and search my library for another mountain. The reason why I'm doing another mountain is because I have another wooded foothills in my hand. So on my next turn, I can go ahead and play that wooded foothills on my third turn and get a cinder glade in hopes in case I get an Atarkas command later on. Um, maybe a become immense because if I get the cinder glade that way it comes in untapped because I have two mountains right now. So what I'm going to be doing right now is I'm going to go to my combat step. I'm going to go and attack. Um, in response, my opponent will tap his fetch land and he is going to search his library and he will get a canopy vista but it will come in tapped. 
So that's all my opponent did on his side, just to get, he's starting to get prepped for something. I'm not sure what exactly, though. So since I noticed he didn't do anything, I'm going to go ahead and play Titan Strength. So immediately, even if Titan Strength was countered at this point, Prowess will still trigger off. This will make my Monastery Swiss Spear a 2-3. So I'm going to be doing 2 damage to him. He's going to go down to 16 regardless. Because right now he's at 18 because he had to pay 1 life for his Windswept Heath. So with since he's not going to be able to counter it, my Titan Strength is going to give my Monastery Swiss Spear plus 3, plus 1. That would normally make it a 4-3. But with Prowess, that will make it a 5-3. Four, So it is going to do 5 damage to my opponent. He's already down to 13. By turn 2, being down at 13 really kind of makes you think, oh crap. You know, especially my opponent must be thinking, oh man, this game is going to be over soon if I don't do something quick. So now I'm also going to scry, which I will look at the first card of my library. Um, I notice I scryed a Titan Strength. Which at this point may not be bad because, you know, I at this point I'm thinking I'm going to have three lands out by turn three. I can sac sacrifice my wooden foothills for a cinder glade and get have three lands out. I can tap two of my lands for a dragon fodder triggering prowess on my monastery Swiss spear. So make it a two three plus I can cast another titan strength making it even stronger so we're going to keep that on top of our deck and titan strength is going to go into the graveyard and you know my second main phase you know i'm going to go ahead and tap one red and get zergo bell striker out zergo bell striker is the 2-2 legendary creature he can't block creatures with power two or greater and he does have dash but i'm not dashing so i'm going to end my turn and we're going to go back to my opponent my opponent now must be thinking, oh crap, I'm already down to 13, and it's only my second my second turn now. So he's going to untap, upkeep, draw. Um, the, I think my opponent right now is thinking, I've got to stave off as much as I can, because I can't afford to take that much damage. So he played a forest out on the field. Right now, with the information I have, I see a Canopy Vista which is a forest and plains, so it can tap for either a green or a white. And plus he played another forest. At this point right now, I'm thinking he's playing a green-white deck. It's I don't see any other colors out on the field, so I'm really thinking, oh crap. You know, w w what can he be playing? You know, I'm not really sure what exactly he's got up his sleeve. So, I see him tapping two mana, and he plays a snapping Gnarled. Snapping Gnarled is a landfall creature, a 2-2 landfall, and it has whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, Snapping Gnarled gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Oh, man. That can that can get scary quick. Especially with fetch lands. The thing with landfall creatures, you play a fetch land on your turn. It'll get the plus one, plus one. You crack the fetch land and put another land out on the battlefield. It gets another plus one, plus one. So essentially it can be a four, four in one turn. That can be a little bit scary. So that's all my opponent can do right now. My opponent has got to be thinking, oh crap, what other stuff is going to be happening with this deck? He's already down to 13. 
I've got two creatures out on the field. And so what could possibly be happening? I'm thinking he's got a snapping gnarlid, so I have to I have to think, well, I can go attack. I can I can afford to be on the aggressive side right now because you know, he's obviously going to block one of my creatures and whoever he blocks, I can I can have them live. You know, you know, I, I can either do a Titan Strength because that's what was on top of my library, or I can just let them die so they can trade it out and possibly do more damage to him with whichever creature he decides not to block. You know, that's what's going through my mind right now. So I drew the Titan Strength, like I said I would. I have the Wooded, foot, wooded Foothills. I'm going to go ahead and crack it and get a Cinder Glade out. Cinder Glade, if just so you remember, is the mountain and forest. And it comes in untapped because I control two or more basic lands. If I didn't, it would come in tapped. Mm, excuse me. Damn. And so I have three land right now. And just to remember, to tell you again what I have in my hand right now, I have a Teamer Battle Rage, which is the double strike instant. I've got the Dragon Fodder, the two 1-1 one, one Red Goblin creature tokens. And I've got Titan Strength, which is the plus three, plus one until end of turn. <laughs> so I'm thinking right now, I want to trigger off a Prowess. I, I think I sort of want him to block my Monastery Swiss Spear. I, I, I'm going to want to make him, so I'm going to play Dragon Fodder. He obviously can't do anything because all his lands are tapped. So I'm going to go ahead and create two Goblins. And so now I have four creatures out on the field. So casting that spell has instantly made my Monastery Swiss Spear go from a 1-2 to a 2-3. So now I've got one mana left open. The only thing he can really expect right now is either a Fiery Impulse or another Titan Strength. In any case, he's going to want to block my opponent. Because he does not want to take potential even more damage right now. Especially on turn 3 being at 13 life. So I'm going to go ahead and attack. Go to my attack step with Monastery and Zergo. You know, I would think my opponent right now would be... Probably the best one to block would be Monastery Swiss Spear. Because you would take the least amount of damage. If you were to just block Zergo. Because he could... If I had... If he knew I had a Titan Strength in my hand, he would potentially take 6 damage instead of 5 if he were to block... Well, no, let me say that. If he were to block Zergo, he would probably guess that he could potentially take 6 damage. If he were to block Monastery Swiss Spear, he may only take 5 damage. So, he's going to go ahead and block my Monastery Swiss Spear... He knows that a snapping is going to die. So in response to that, him blocking, I'm going to go ahead and tap one red and play Titan Strength, targeting Zergo. So the benefit of that is one of my Monastery Swiss Spears still lives. I now deal five damage to him and I get to scry. One, two, three, four, five. He's now at eight life. So he's really got to be thinking, well, crap, if I don't pull something out soon, I'm dead. So he's got to think, there's got to be something I can do. So I'm going to go ahead and scry. I've got a wild slash. And you know what? You know, 
I, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that wild slash. Keep it on top. So his snapping gnarlet is going to go into the graveyard. I don't have anything else to do. All my mana's tapped out. It's going to be the end of the turn. So we're going to untap his lands. He's going to go to his draw step. He's going to play a planes. And at this point, he's he doesn't play anything. He goes to the end step. Now, at this point, I'm thinking to myself, can I kill him? If I were to, I think I can. Because he has no creatures out. I'm thinking it's pretty safe to attack if he doesn't have a turn three play. So I could potentially do, if I didn't cast any spells, I can potentially do one, two, three, four, five damage. If I cast Teamer Battle Rage, that's going to give it plus one. So that's going to be four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, so he's he's pretty much dead at this next turn. Um. So I'm going to go ahead and untap, upkeep, draw. And normally what I would do in a situation like this if I'm playing face-to-face, -face, if I know that I have the um win, I'll ask my opponent, hey, you know, do you have anything you can do because I can win on this next turn? You know, I can do this, this, and that, and you'll die. Now, I feel like that's just trying to, I guess, a little bit more being friendly, you know, maybe in a higher level tournament like an IQ or PPTQ, I wouldn't do that, but on FNM level, yeah, I'd be like, well, hey, you know, can, do you have anything to stop me? Because I will, I'm going to go ahead and do this, this, and that, and you'll be dead. So, um, so if we go, like I said, I've got the Wild Slash and Teamer Battle Rage in my hand. It's, Yeah, I'm trying to think here. Well, I'm just looking at my opponent's hand, and yeah, if it if I hadn't have gone such an explosive start, he may have been able to stabilize the field. But um, like I said, I'm I I I would think right now I would have it. I would go ahead and attack with everybody. I would go ahead and cast Teamer Battle Rage, targeting my monastery Swiss Spear. Um, my opponent doesn't have anything to do. Swiss Spear becomes a 2-3, dealing 4 damage. Zergo does 2, 5, 6, 7, and 8. And that's the end of game 1. Um, now, now it comes down to a point where, you know, your opponent would think, oh crap, that was over super quick. Um, good thing my opponent is going to be on the play next turn. Because that, that's the thing with aggro decks, is when they're not on the play there's a good chance they can get interrupted pretty quickly because aggro decks are not really reactive for the most part. They're a little bit more proactive, proactively trying to kill you. But, um, yeah, I think the next episode will be game two of that and go, diving a little bit deeper into the sideboard. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll try to get that out maybe in the next few days or so really depends but um i'd like to thank you for listening and i would like to thank mtg cast for adding me to the rotation i'm really happy about that you know i'm really trying to get other sponsors and other promotions going on too you can follow me on twitter i have two twitters i've got my personal one which is at zubatron z-u-b-a-t-r-o-n 
And there's also the Magic with Zuby Twitter, which is at Magic with Zuby. I've also got the Facebook page, Magic with Zuby. I finally got that set up, so you can go and check that out. I've got my blog, mtgzuby.blogspot.com. I'm going to be getting a domain for it soon, but eh, I'm kind of lazy with that. I try to do my blog articles as much as I can, but like I said, I'd like to thank MTGCast for getting me out there. I'm hoping to get more involved with the community, and you know, I'm trying to stream on Twitch a little bit more. It's really just me losing badly because, you know, I'm super awesome at this game. You know, for future Pro Tour champion of the world right here. Not really. That's a complete lie. But um, anyways, and yeah, just thanks for listening and stay tuned for part two of Lines of Play. Thank you. <laughs>